Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. This episode of Creative Control is a panel discussion about the Canadian hip-hop landscape. Brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, CFRU 93.3 FM, and Granddad's Donuts, and was recorded before a live audience at the Megaphono Conference and Festival in Ottawa, Ontario, on Thursday, February 7th, 2019. Hi, everyone. How you doing? Uh, my name is Vish. I, I live in Guelph, Ontario. I'm a journalist and a podcast person, and uh, I also manage CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. It's uh, great to be back in Ottawa. And uh, as John mentioned, we were here for a hip-hop panel. And I thought uh, what we would do is we would get all of our panelists to, one at a time, introduce themselves, maybe cite the city they're from, uh, their affiliation, if they want to cite such a thing. And maybe as a little introduction, Aaron and I have done this before on a hip-hop panel. I thought it might be interesting to hear uh, from each of you about the first memory you have of what got you into hip-hop culture. The first song, the first artist, whatever sparked joy, as we like to say now, I guess, uh, about hip-hop culture. So just dig into your memory banks, think about it. You guys look quizzical, (laughs) thinking about this, pondering this. So maybe, Aaron, do you mind starting, because we've done this before, and introduce yourself, and uh, we'll be off. All right, I'm Aaron. Uh, I'm the hip-hop editor for Exclaim Magazine. Um, and I've kind of been working in this industry for the past 10 years, more or less. Recently worked on a documentary called Hip Hop Evolution, which is on Netflix. Um, I feel like my answer is going to change from the last time we did this. Just but, like hip hop, right? I would think, right? But yeah. I almost feel like one of my first memories, because I, you know, I was a little young and I didn't pay attention to everything. Um, it would have been Left Eye Lopez on TLC's Waterfalls. Oh. Which is. Probably one of my earliest memories of actually loving rap. What was it about that that verse that got to you? Because, I mean, the rest of the song wasn't going that direction, right? right? You know what? I, I tried to remember it as a kid. I tried to remember all the lyrics and do it myself, and then I couldn't. And that's really what it was. It was like the speed, the depth, the like everything about how that verse was delivered was essentially what drew me to understanding the technicalities behind rap as well. It's a fascinating thing about uh, a song like that one because I would think the singing 
would be equally as impressive. Uh, I mean, it was. <laughs> like, I don't know how <laughs> they sing like that because the singing's so out of this world. But it's true. Whenever a, a rap section happened in one of those songs, I'd, oh, yeah, that's what grabbed my ear, too. Right. Whereas I, and I would try to do the same thing. I would try to rap. I would never try to sing. No, right? Because uh, I'm like, oh, I can't sing, but I, maybe I can... I talk fast. I talk a lot. Right. Maybe I can get into that. That's fascinating. <laughs> That's fascinating to me. All right. Thank you very much, Aaron. How about a cheer for Aaron? I know it's early in the morning, but... All right, we move down the couch. So I go by uh, City Fidelia. I'm from Ottawa. Um, I moved to Toronto about four or five years ago. In terms of my memories, the first time I fell in love with hip-hop, I would say... Uh, when I was young in my neighborhood in Ottawa, we used to like break dance and do like b-boy battles, freestyle battles, and like around that time, 106 at Park was popular too. So they used to have like their freestyle Fridays. So like, um, I guess that's how I really fell in love with hip hop. Just trying to, I guess, like imitate a lot of things I would see on TV, and then just like find my own way to put my words together, and you know, like put a song together and whatnot. So uh, yeah, that was that was it for me. Was there was there a specific <laughs> artist that grabbed your attention? I'm just curious. I would say um, the first song I had on repeat was probably the song "Money Power Respect" by the Locks, and I loved DMX part. Like his his aggression, like at the end of the song, always caught me. And I remember um, I used to perform at. Um, it was like Caravana, but in Ottawa, like a long time ago. And when it used to be on, um, not Rito, but one of these streets downtown. And I remember I went to my dad. I'm like, can I have my bars ready? And I spit like the DMX. He's like, nah, you're not doing that. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Did he, did he not want you to do it for the content or because you were copying someone else's? Oh, the content. Like in that verse, like DMX is like swearing. Like he's going in. It's cursing. But yeah, for me... For me, I, I didn't know what those... Like, I knew what it meant, but I didn't think it was as bad as like it is, you know? So, uh, yeah. So how old were you at this time? I think I was around seven, eight, yeah. around that time, yeah. yeah. That's what... My son is seven, and he just obsessively memorizes raps. Yeah. And I just think it's fascinating. Because your brain at that age is very, like, open, and you absorb things. And, like, it's... My, people are like, what? How does he know all the words to those songs? It's so true. Because I have a hard time memory, like, memorizing lyrics now. Like, unless yeah. it's, like, my own or my friends that I hear all the time. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I have a hard time memorizing lyrics now. So did that verse inform any of your early writing? Like, do you have a sense Oh, yeah, that? like... For some reason, I don't know if I was, like, angry as a young kid, but, like, everything was, <laughs> like, you know, like, what was popular then? Like, guns, drug dealing, right. raps. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but like, as I found myself, I started, like, just writing about my life, you know. Have so you ever like, seen DMX play live? No, but I watch the shows on the internet, though. He's so, on like, tour. He's coming on tour, but he can't come to Canada. But yeah. he is playing Detroit. Oh, that's DMX next door. Trip to Detroit to go see DMX. Have you ever seen that. DMX? No. I saw him on the Hard Knock Life tour, and he proselytized most of the time. He just <coughs> talked about religion. So he did his rap. He, he rapped, but he also just speech. Like he just preached. It was interesting. Yeah, his prayers are powerful. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I remember in high school, I made uh, my school actually play his prayer. Like in the morning, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I was a DMX fan as a kid. Oh, nice. All right. Well, thank you, Luigi. How about a hand for Luigi, everyone? 
Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Jonathan Shamar. Uh, I work in management. I manage a very popular artist named Knight Lavelle, um, as well as an artist in America called Joey Fats. Um, my first <laughs> recollection of of me even being around hip hop was, you know, like uh, Vish said, actually, like the age of eight and nine, ten, super impressionable. You know, um, my brother brought home like some CDs, and I was going through his little CD box, and I found a 50 Cent CD. So I plugged it in, and you know, I was just like, yo, this, sh this shit is so fire. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and I think that was the time when he was like working with the game, and then they dropped a song called Hit It or Love It. And to me, that song was like so empowering. I was like, wow, like, I just kept rapping the lyrics to my mom, and she was like, stop talking, stop cussing, like, hit it, it, I'm like, but it's just music. I didn't even mean it. I didn't mean to curse. <laughs> and then, you know, I just really, really fell in love with, like, that part of hip-hop and that kind of culture. But, like, I didn't really knew I loved it at the time. Yeah. I was just kind of consuming, like, what I got. And as I grew older, um, you know, in high school, I started, like, discovering HMV. So I would literally just go to, like, that store after, the, after school and, like, just, like, get, like, whatever's at the front of the store and just cop new CDs if I could afford it, you right, know, right, you know right, little, little ones who, you know, <laughs> um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, just like, you know, really got in and literally listened to a lot of hip hop. And then, you know, I gradually just discovered like, you know, um, you know, the game and, and, and these underground guys and then just kept going from there, man. I just got inspired from that. I want to just home in on what you were saying about how even I know you're only eight or nine, so it might be foggy for you, but yeah. you mentioned feeling empowered. And a lot of what, one of the reasons I gravitated towards hip hop is because I also found it empowering. Mm -hmm. uh, I found the outspokenness and the fearlessness of it empowering. Like it actually, I feel like it shaped me on yeah. some level as a young person. Do you have a sense of why that aspect of it spoke to you? To story? be fair, like I just like felt like the music and being an artist, they like seemed like they were free. They can do whatever they wanted to do. Like there was no real, real barriers. But in that particular form or genre, did that seem more free and empowering than others? Um, to be fair, like I never listened to anything else other than like maybe <laughs> soca. Like my mom, right. I'm I'm from the Caribbean, so like you know soca music and like reggae and hip hop. Like since there was a lot of cursing in in hip hop, I never had a chance to like really dive into it because. Obviously, being a child, my mom's like, hell no, you know. That's true. I never really think about the cursing aspect of hip-hop as being this, I guess it's true. It's rebellious. I mean, it's yeah. obviously rebellious, right? Of course, yeah. If you hear the same song on the radio, the fact that it's being censored, at one, on one hand, it's corny. On another, it's like, cool. Like, they're just saying whatever they want. They don't Yeah, care. yeah. And that part's cool, but I guess... That also, when you're young, you're like, oh, my God, they're cursing. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. And 100%, 100%. Yeah. And uh, as well, I think, you know, like, at the time, like, I was looking at the game and, and 50 Cent, they were showing a lot of togetherness, you know, while uh, they were teaming up and, like, doing these crazy collaborations. And I was like, wow, like, you know, it's not so much about, like, you know, doing your own thing and just, like, separate yourself from everybody else. It's just about they were making it seem like, we're a family and like we came together and you know make records but I guess now they're not so much uh, yeah. you know family or friends anymore but back the, in those the days the familial thing seems to be a bit fraught like yeah. it, it seems to 
beefs happen. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Right, right. Did that yeah. appeal to you? The combative nature of hip hop? Yeah. Like it's it's. Uh, I mean, like it's competitive. Yeah, we, we think of it as a one of the more I mean, competitive musical forms, but th- that's the other side of the danger, right? There's like a bit of animosity. There's some. Unfortunately, there's violence even. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't really on the internet like that, so I wasn't being. I wasn't able to like dive into like what was really happening. I just got the music, right? Yeah. yeah. So I didn't see all of the real like the press and like the real con the real the real like you know internet stuff. So I wasn't really like change my mind was always just about okay fire music next what's fire yeah yeah, and yeah. Keep, keep moving on so i wasn't really biased based on like press articles and whatnot yeah. and what they were doing in their own lives right right well i appreciate that how about a hand for jonathan as thank well you. thank you jonathan it's nice to meet all of you uh just to open the floor we're going to focus on uh, hip-hop in ottawa uh in this panel and i'm excited to do that because to be honest like there are things about it that i don't know and i'm i imagine there's other people like me here maybe so i'm eager to learn but I just want to open the floor here uh, to follow up on what we were just talking about because I thought it was interesting that all of you talked about rapping and verses. Very few of you, I don't think anyone talked about music and, and production. And that's a huge part of hip hop too. And uh, do you, let's go with, who wants to start this? I wonder, like, does anyone want to talk about uh, when the music actually impacted you and how the music impacted you, like the production? Because that's a totally... I think still, on some level, an un- unheralded aspect of hip hop music. Everyone focuses on the rap. <laughs> you, oh, yeah. you can go for it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would say for me, um, when I really got to the production aspect, it was uh, when I f- worked on my first uh, mixtape because I was um, working hand in hand with a producer, and what we were doing were like digging, digging into like you know crates and finding different records, different samples, and like pretty much putting the beats together. So from there, that's when I really got into like uh, Jay Dilla, and I'm a huge fan of Kanye West, even though the world might hate him. <laughs> that's still my guy. Isn't it hard? Isn't it difficult to to remember when this shit wasn't going on? And I, like I was doing the dishes the other day, and because I have two kids, I put on the uncensored version of Watch the Throne. Or rather, the <laughs> censored version, sorry. No, I actually go hardcore with my kids. I just like the super uncensored version of Watch the Throne that you can only find on the, uh, uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, yeah, no, so I put it on, and I was just like, wow. Like, I felt a little dirty listening. Yeah, yeah. That was this week. I was just like, yeah. ah, Kanye. Uh, but, man, what a genius he used to be. No, for sure. Um, for me, I would say, like, like where I grew up, I would say it's like, like if I look back and I think back to like the things that people used to do in my neighborhood, like a lot of people made mistakes. So I'm, I'm used to watching people make mistakes constantly, and I'm I'm a kind of guy that like I'm all about your intentions. So sometimes you have good intentions, but to the to the public, like it doesn't come off. As good intentions, so I'm the kind of guy. That I take my time. I really read through, like what the person is trying to say or whatnot. You're talking about Kanye as a figure right now, not as a producer, right? Yeah, as a figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, sorry. So that's why, um, even with his music, it doesn't stop me from like liking what he does because at the end of the day, it did make me a good person. Like yeah. it, listening to his beats and listening to his lyrics made me feel like. Uh, accepted because I, I felt like I was the guy in the neighborhood that was like, 
okay, like while you guys want to do your thing, I'm gonna still do. I'm gonna go to school. I'm gonna look fresh. Yeah. I'm gonna dress different from you guys. Yeah. So I, I I never forget that, you know. Yeah. Aaron, I, I guess my question was a little vague, but do you have any thoughts on on music production and hip hop and the significance of that and and how it impacted you, like just hearing beats? Yeah, uh, so my parents are South African, so we grew up on a lot of South African jazz and a lot of like a house every now and then and some other genres. So, you know, I don't think I paid, I was always a lyrics first type yeah. of person, and that's probably why I gravitated towards, you know, people like Tupac. But then, you know, I heard Tribe and all the jazz samples from there, and I think that's when I started to recognize that, you know, this is completely different than what I've heard before already. Um, and that's when I kind of started gravitating towards samples more than just like actual bass lines. Right. Um, but I mean, now today, I totally love production more than I do lyrics. If that's, I think that's just kind of the nature of a lot of the music today. It's, you know, you have amazing instrumentals and then the lyrics come after. Hmm. Yeah, just a lot of what I've been listening to lately, at least. Maybe because there's so much talking in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's talking all the time. Yeah. You just want music every Maybe. once in a while. I yeah. think I've also just hung out with too many producers at this point who have kind of skewed my perspective oh, of how to look at a song. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jonathan, do you want to speak to uh, this? Yeah, of course. Um, to chime in on, like, you know, us not mentioning producers, I feel like artists are are the face of the the song, right? People overlook producers because, you know... Like the lead singer. Like, yes, the lead singers are often the focus ex- of anything. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And it's like, that's not what you see first. It's like, as a consumer or like a 10-year-old, 12-year-old kid, you're, you're getting the product, the final product. You're just listening to, oh, 50 Cent or, or like Drake or whatnot. It's like, but like, I guess moving to times like these, it's like they're popularizing producers like Boy Wanda and like Pharrell and, you know, these guys have their own brands, right? So you're able to like see, you know, who's behind the record. People care more who's behind the record. Whereas before, I feel like as a young kid, you don't really care about, you know, who produced the song. If the song's fire in the radio, you're just going to sing the record. I'm trying to think of who marked that sea change. Like for me in my head, it feels like it was Dr. Dre, probably. Like that where yeah, he you was, were like, yeah. oh, oh, wait a minute. Like this is a Dre he, beat. Like, this is yeah, a Dre yeah, beat. yeah. I think like he was one of the, you know, people that like you know push that like okay like producers are, pe- are people as well like they're, yeah. they're always overlooked yeah. and even on if you on social media they're always complaining about being overlooked it's like yo i made this beat and you know no one knows i made this beat and this song is a hit you know yeah so i mean that's just the climate of the industry like people overlook people all the time and like artists there's a there's 10 guys behind the artist that you don't even know pr and the whole team so yeah, yeah. you know producers are you know the creative along with the engineers that get overlooked and that's just how it's going to be until there are more producers that are you know pushing their own brands and you know just driving their own businesses outside of like the artists that they're working with right well this might segue into our discussion about this particular city of ottawa um, because i feel like when uh, a music genre starts to blossom if you will there are these behind the scenes figures that are helping that along I guess let's start with, I was going to start with, I thought it might be interesting to talk about Ottawa hip-hop from the perspective of an outsider, like a, someone external to it. Particularly, we have such a knowledgeable journalist here. Actually, yeah, I'm going to follow that thread and see if we can start with that. Perceptions of Ottawa, are you okay yeah. with this? I'm just curious about that. And then maybe we'll go to, you're both, well, and I guess you're in Toronto now, yeah. Luigi, but, um, and we'll get to why that's the case. That's... <laughs> 
probably uh, probably a heated topic around here. Maybe I don't know. Uh, but Aaron, what? Because like I was saying earlier, I feel uh, I've heard bits and pieces about Ottawa's hip hop scene over the last few years. I was at Megaphone last year, so I learned a fair amount about uh, its history. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're a, based in Toronto. You're a hip hop journalist. You're ears to the ground. What have you? What's your perception of Ottawa? Currently, as a hip hop mecca in this country, if it if it is one, and and maybe can you also talk about how that perception has maybe evolved over the last few years? So this is a tough one because I think all the all the artists from Ottawa that I've met, I've met in Toronto. Yeah. I met City in <laughs> Toronto. You know what I mean? Like I I'm not really sure who's really um, who's sticking around to kind of build the infrastructure in Ottawa right, right now, as right. opposed to just leaving and going to maybe Montreal or Toronto. Uh, so when I look at the scene, I'm like, okay, cool. There's like, there's great artists. Of course, there's great artists. But what's going to happen to the actual city and what's going to happen to the community here? I'm not sure. Okay, and, and I wonder also, like, because you're based in Toronto, and Toronto, as we all know, is the center of Canada's universe. <laughs> Could that? I was being sarcastic, um, <laughs> but it's true, unfortunately, on some level as well. Is that true of other cities for you? Like, are, are there other? Is Ottawa among the a few other hotbeds that are emerging that you only really are exposed to when they show up in Toronto? When the artists show up in Toronto? No, I feel like oh. like Montreal kind of has their own distinct scene. Right. Vancouver's starting to bubble. Um, you know, Halifax has their own thing going on. Uh, I think it's just maybe the proximity towards Toronto that. I mean, that doesn't really make sense because it's just as close. But is this isn't a Leaf Senators rivalry thing <laughs> by I some measure. Hockey, you don't so watch hockey. Really okay. Just, <laughs> go all the way over. I mean, not my thing. I just, Ottawa is, is, is not as close to Toronto as, uh, as we think on right. some level. So I wonder, yeah, it's, I feel like this has been what you're saying about the hip hop community and scene in Ottawa uh, and how it's regarded could be true of the indie rock scene in Ottawa too that I'm familiar with uh, and the rock scene like Ottawa is always I don't know why not treated with as much respect mm. by let's say Toronto as a whole by the industry as a whole and I've never really understood that but I mean Toronto took decades to finally get that respect as well so it's That's not true. you know so, like we struggled with this weird self-hatred thing for so many years um, and we used to leave and go to other cities as well, so I'm not sure if maybe that's just the, the thing that's happening here, or really it just comes down to the infrastructure, the venues, how things operate, yeah. um, which is still a struggle in the city, like in Toronto. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, City, why don't you take this from here? You left yeah. here, <laughs> uh, as I mentioned, uh, <laughs> potentially the source of some frustration for some here. Why did you feel the need to leave Ottawa for Toronto? Um... Because um, uh, first off, like the reason I started music was to find like an outlet to take care of my, you know, take care of my family or whatnot. It wasn't too much of like like accolades and all that. So in the city, I, you know, I did all the opening acts. I did uh, the biggest festivals, Blues Fest. I did all that and I just sat down. And I was like, what else, you know, like what's going to get me to that next level? So then uh, one day I literally just woke up. I'm like, I'm moving to Toronto. And I, I got like a condo downtown. I didn't even know how I was going to pay the next month's rent. But I'm like, I'm doing it. <laughs> and I had a futon on my floor. It was like, it's like, it's one of those things where from the outside, 
Like, my life looked great, but once you go into my house, there was, like, literally nothing in there. But then the difference, I would say, between Ottawa and um, Toronto is not really a thing when it comes to artists. It's more of, like, for example, you have, like, Aaron there that writes for Exclaim. Uh, Ottawa, it's like it's building, but we don't really have something like that right now. Um, we have something called Shifters Magazine that's, like, they're growing right now. and They're, they're really becoming... Uh, they're making the way to becoming like a real credible um, source um, when it comes to um, presenting new music and uh, putting other artists on from like Ottawa. Yeah, but I think yeah, like um, Aaron was saying earlier, is we we don't really have an infrastructure. The people that have influence in the city don't really like hip hop like that. They're more top forty. And I think what's going to change is the moment where they realize that, like, hip-hop is the number one genre. Like, all these kids are listening to hip-hop. People that are roughly, you know, even 35 and up are listening to hip-hop. That's, I think that's when the city's going to grow. And um, another thing is a lot of uh, artists, I feel, or people in auto want to be an artist, and we need more people that are passionate about other things as well when it comes to hip-hop. So, like, writing, being an engineer, being a producer. Because, like, when people ask me, like, oh, like, do you know any engineers in the city? I'm like, well, there's, like, three that can help you compete with what's happening out there. So, yeah, I don't know. That's so, my take on it. I mean, you. it sounds like you moved to Toronto for exposure. Like, like you had no... You got a condo, and then right away you're hustling for what exactly? What's yeah, your it was, next move. You, you it bought was, a futon. We all know that. <laughs> After you buy the futon in Toronto, <laughs> what are you doing to make so, a name for yourself? So what I did is um, I started throwing parties. So I I'm like, uh, so I I would like rent in out the like sparse a venue. condo. <laughs> no, well, actually, yeah, there was actually some crazy some parties in my condos. <laughs> yeah, after parties. <laughs> but um, I would uh, yeah get a venue and then I would like hit up some friends that I knew. I'm like, give me the the hottest DJ in the city. Like, I'm going to book them. I don't care how much money they cost. Like, I want to book them. And then that's how I met, like, uh, like DJ Bambi and Crosby and those people. And then my, like, roommate, he was, like, a really outgoing guy. So, like, he would go out and bring the after party to my house, like, all the time. So I met people like that, too. And then uh, just going to panels, you know. So that's where I met her a lot. Um, everywhere I seen that she would like talk, I would show up. She would see my face a lot, and then it gets to the point where people, you know, start like connecting with you. And if the music is good, then you know they'll they'll look out for what you do. You know, you have mentioned uh, media a couple of times now. Yeah. The importance of uh, Ottawa. You said has one local publication. You, you every time you. Sounds like you were following Aaron around, frankly. Uh, <laughs> pretty, but pretty, time, much, pretty much, pretty much. You know, she knows she works for Exclaim. Uh, I work for Exclaim too. Leave me alone. Uh, but I, it's fascinating to me that that was imp so important to you. I think, as Aaron and I can attest, like it feels very fraught to be in the media landscape right now, and a lot of artists are able to do the work that we would normally be able to help them do on their own, on some level, a little yeah. bit. I'm not trying to shortchange what we do, uh, but uh, that's fascinating to me that you really, that's almost old school. Like, I need to get media exposure. Yeah, uh, I think during those times, like, blogs were still, like, 
What's super important. Right. Okay. Right. So um, influence. Yeah. The influence. Of but uh, but so, it's funny because before I moved to Toronto, I had an interview on uh, Noisy, and in that article, I said I wouldn't move from Ottawa. So <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, people leave. I'm not leaving. <laughs> I switched up. It's all good. At least I admit to it. Are, is there a, so so? What exactly has has shifted for you? In terms of success, I mean, to just to follow up on what you were saying, we've gone from the sparse condo with the futon and then the parties. You're following Aaron around. You're getting some <laughs> getting some media attention. Uh, did it pay off? Do you feel? Yeah, like it, it paid did off? pay off. Like yeah. it, it pretty much like changed my life. Like the first, you know, like year it was rough. Obviously, trying to get to know who's what. But then um, when I dropped my first like project in Toronto. Um, the first, my first single hit like, uh, I think it's at 4.6 million streams right. independently. And um, yeah, from there, I kind of like, a lot of people that I used to reach out to saw me grow, you know? And even if, let's say, they weren't able to provide their services at the time, at least they were like, okay, this guy is like serious. Like he, he never disrespected me. He found his way to get here. And it's like, because at the end of the day, it has to work for both people. That's business. So. Do you have any sense of why mm -hmm. younger you, more naive you, might have said, I'm never leaving Ottawa? Is that a regionalism? Like, I mean, people uh, have this inherent regionalism with it, within them, right? A pride for their hometown. I assume that's what it was. But then reality kind of... Yeah, I think, yeah, reality hit. Cause it, and I'm still on the same mission. Like, my, my mission from the beginning, too, was always to, like, help Ottawa become, like, a, you know, have a bigger platform. But um, it's just, yeah, at the time, I thought, like, I would be able to be a savior by being in the city. But that's, yeah, that wasn't the reality of it, you know, okay. or the situation. I appreciate that, too. Uh, Jonathan, do you want to talk a little bit about Ottawa's infrastructure or lack yeah. thereof and the fact that people like City have fled? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Don't worry, bro. Don't I'm worry. Don't I'm, worry, man. <laughs> I'm obviously know. only kidding. But, no, no, uh, of course, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's probably common for people to think that they need to leave to succeed in a major city because... The infrastructure is not there, you know. You're here still, by the way, right? I'm not from here. I'm from Toronto, but I I'm li I come here all the time, so I can say I'm kind of from here. Okay, right? I see. So I come here enough to like kind of know what's going on, and my artist is from here. My whole team is from Ottawa, so I see. Okay, I always hear what's going on and about you know, we've had problems with venues and the capacities being like weird sizes and you know, <laughs> not being able to support new acts, right? Um, uh, like you know, he was saying. There's not enough of other people that don't rap and don't sing. You know, there's no not enough managers, not enough engineers to facilitate to create artists to really blow up because artists can't do it all, right? They need someone to help them out. So, I mean, some artists can produce and engineer and do their whole stuff themselves, but it comes down to team. It comes down to people to you know come around and 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 collaborate to yeah. create that stuff. You know, so um, I think you know. So Toronto just got, you know, it's 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 name back like from, you know, like you said years and years of trying to get it back and us being the soft side of the the border. Oh yeah, just the, you know, guys up there, you know. Now we have, you know, a few major acts and we're we're now competing and, you know, people are seeing us for, you know, who we are. 
And if Vancouver, I think, is now bubbling, you know, Ottawa is, you know, should be, you know, either equal or somewhat behind because Vancouver has all of that, all of that money, all of that sauce, and they should be moving forward faster than, you know, where they're at right now. So when you talk about these infrastructure issues, um, I'm trying to figure out who you're speaking to. The, every time we've talked about that, and Aaron, we, mm-hmm. we just talked about this last year, I think it was. There's a sense that something needs to be done on an infrastructure level mm-hmm. that people need to, um, there need to be more people like you're discussing, like there need to be more engineers, there need to be more of this. But, yeah. but then I also am like, well, who, who is the onus on to sustain that infrastructure? How is that infrastructure going to be sustained? Is it the city you're talking about? We're talking about Ottawa. We're talking about Toronto and the difference between them. Um, but I guess I wonder about solutions this problem from all of your perspectives like what actually needs to be done who needs to do it how is this done because this venue situation you're you're all talking about is a national problem yeah um every we living in toronto or i don't live in toronto i live in guelph but uh, in guelph and toronto i mean in all the cities across canada that i can think of venues are being shut down real estate is at a premium so everything's being turned into a hair salon or a brew pub or a condo or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, and music is really devalued. Live music, live culture. So I think that these are uh, city issues, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I don't know that the city is hearing this. And I guess my question is, when you all are speaking of these issues, are you trying to speak to the city? Are you trying to speak to the public to be more supportive and outgoing? to demonstrate that these are viable things? Who mm-hmm. are you speaking to? What needs to be done? I know this is a huge question. Y- yeah. I don't expect any of us to resolve of it, course. but I'm just curious what your thought process is here when we talk about this. That's, yeah, of course. It's a great question. You're right. Venues all around Canada are behind, and things are falling apart in a sense. And music, uh, live shows are kind of dying, especially. Um, but I, I mean, it's not so much towards just the public. It's towards just, like, the public, the government. It's just the overall structure and the government and everything else it's not just one person i mean you can't really change things overnight like it took 10 years for toronto to even come back and even have a spark i mean there's no fix it solution right now but i mean there's definitely things that you know we can push for to help it you know change over time yeah and like i said it's not going to be overnight it'll take a long time to get back but you know that's what i think Aaron, do you have thoughts on this? Yeah, so with Toronto, I think there's probably 150-odd venues throughout um, the whole city or some shit like that, and about eight can play rap. About eight. Yeah, that's um, true. So <laughs> I've actually spoken to the city uh, directly, it's like city researchers, and they're asking me, what's the issue with venues? What's the issue? Um, you know, why is it so difficult for rap artists or for black artists, really? to actually access these venues. And it comes down to, you know, this, this underlying racist policy that comes into venue ownership. Um, and that's something that no city can change because it's private ownership of these venues. And that's the, the end answer is like, we can't do anything. Um, so then we have to shift our minds to how do we do DIY spaces? How do we create a space, take it over, get all the necessary you know, permits, whether it's noise, whether it's alcohol, whatever. How do we do that legally so that's not shut down? Because again, if we're talking about rap, we're talking primarily about 
uh, people of color and um, you know in large spaces, and that's automatically a police uh, red flag. Um, so how do we do these DIY spaces? And I think that's where, when we talk about infrastructure, that's where our mind needs to go at this point, is how to build that and how to do it on our own. Um, but yeah, with regards to it changing, I mean, if I'm being told that I need to get an artist's criminal background check to book them at a venue, <laughs> that's not gonna change anytime soon. That's a, that's a federal, that's a provincial government thing that's you know hands off from the city. Um, there's a lot of things you just have to kind of build yourself around. There's so many obstacles, we just need to jump over them. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I mean, you are highlighting racism, which is uh, a huge issue in this culture, and that is seemingly insurmountable i mean i uh, anyway i don't know that's a whole other thing yeah. it's a huge part of this thing if people want to speak to that as well i'm happy to hear about it but thank you for your thoughts on that um city do you want to speak to anything um, that we've been discussing yeah um, going back to what he was saying about the venues um uh, yeah he's right you're either in the city you're either playing in front of like let's say three to four hundred people or you have to do a stadium there's no like in between, you know what I'm saying? And um, what do you mean, though, in terms of like in terms of size of the venue? Oh, like you the just capacity. mean in terms of what the venue? So you're either right. I see. It's either small or giant. Yeah, giant. There's, there's no, no mid-size. There's no mid-size places see, okay. here, really. Um, in Ottawa, like this is a city with money and and uh, you know <laughs> all these buildings. How is that possible? Like that's just baffling to me. No clue. I have no it's, answer. It's <laughs> expensive, man. Like. These places aren't cheap, you know. It doesn't allow for people that are new to come in and, and afford ten thousand dollars, you know, spaces to play an indie show and support themselves. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. End up losing money, you know. So and that is on the city on some level, like to yeah, not subsidize. Course. Yeah, but then it comes back to private ownership. You know, like people own venues and they can say, you know, screw you. We had trouble booking our first show in Ottawa, um, and we had to pay extra two thousand dollars out of our pocket to just have this guy allow all ages, you know, because, yeah. oh, it's rap. These kids are crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, they're going to fuck up my shit and yeah. they're going to cause problems. It's, yeah. it's like, bro, yo, you know, what else do you want? You have punk rock and indie rock guys here whipping their heads around doing the same shit we're doing. Yeah. Like, and then honestly, like, it's just about, it's a money thing and, and they got to, you know, make their bread and that's what they're going to do. They're going to keep pushing you out and people can't afford it. And if you can, you have to pay the premium. 
City, we've talked about, we've, we're alluding to, and Aaron uh, dove into uh, uh, how racism has impacted hip hop culture in this country and um, in Toronto in particular, the, is the example that uh, she gave. Did you experience racism in your attempts to try to create music in this city, to try to find, uh, to, to access these the spaces that Jonathan's just mentioning? Um, yeah, like I, I think when it comes to like the city, like there's things like uh, I feel like the Rogers Channel or like CTV, to, they'll look at me and look at my music and be like, you don't deserve to be here when it's like wherever I go in the world, I'm, you know, throwing the Ottawa flag around, you know, I'm representing the, the city well. And um, I think that's always been like a like a, a difficult thing for me in the city. And also, yeah, sometimes when I do shows too, like the sound guy will be like, oh yeah, he's just gonna rap. And like he, my sound would be so shitty. And it's like, well, I'm putting my 100% in my art. Like this is your art. You should be putting your 100% there too, you know? And um, that's a recurring problem. Uh, Everywhere I find in terms yeah. of sound with hip hop, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's. I mean, I've often heard in my work, I've would for decades, I've heard primarily from women mm. about sound people and how disrespectful sound people are towards women mm. and presume they don't know what they're doing. Mm. And, and over the years, I've heard more and more. I remember attending an album release for Shad at the Opera House, and it was the worst sounding thing I'd ever heard. <sighs> It would seem like a revenge mix, and I didn't understand <laughs> where this was coming from. This is like a headlining artist, like it was sold out, and it sounded horrible. Mm. And and yeah, it's a recurring issue as well. Um, and that's another. I mean, we're going in all sorts of directions here, but that's mm. another gar old guard. The sound crew people can be bitter yeah, and embittered, and and have animosity towards the stars of the of the show. So I'm sorry you experienced that as well. Yeah, and so. uh, I would say yeah, like our ra like our radio station, like like Night Lavelle's our our biggest artist yeah. right now, and he's not getting play on the radio. And that, for me, that doesn't make sense. Like if you if it was a radio station where you don't play no Drake or you don't play anything like that, I get it. But like since you do play hip hop, why are you not playing the number one artist from your city? Yeah. So that's it's it's kind of like a spit in the face. Like, no, nah, we don't respect you're you're local. We don't respect what you're you're doing. I don't know. So I think once those things start um, evolving, I think that's when everything's gonna. I start think we're evolving. touching upon something that came up in the the last time Aaron and I sat on a hip hop panel together. Someone brought up the fact that the gatekeepers need to change. Like, basically, you need to have younger people, more knowledgeable people in these positions of power for a real change to be had um do you see that is that happening at all on some level like is um, the blues fest hiring a programmer that knows this music better or what's going on um for what for what i, I just know picked I, blues fest because i it's one of the more famous festivals here but i just i'm just curious um for what i know i, I i've heard that the blues fest been like uh taking in like suggestions of like what's happening in the city. Well, they'll artists. take suggestions. I'm used to giving <laughs> paid artistic programmers suggestions, right? So that yeah. they, get, they get their money, and I'm helping book a festival to make it cool 
or whatever. Yeah. And that, you know, I know they'll take suggestions. What yeah. I'm saying is <laughs> these is chess pieces have to move. Like people yeah, have to sure. be placed into these positions and their work needs to be honored mm-hmm. and they need to be compensated for it. So I guess I'm wondering if, and I know this is a lot of the reason why people do DIY yeah. festivals or DIY venues is because they're like, fuck it. I need to own this and, and I'm going to make this happen. And hopefully it'll grow. So that's, I guess I'm, and you're, I mean, you're a little removed. As we all know, you moved away. But (laughs) (laughs) at the same, if anyone can speak to whether they feel that change is being affected by those sorts of things, by hiring practices, please speak to it. Because I just, that's that's what it sounds like. We need someone in the city who knows this stuff uh, so that they can say, yeah, fuck, yeah, let's just do it. Let's just get this done. Um, I think you're right, 100%. Gatekeepers need to change. And that's, in music in general, these people are safeguarding, you know, blocking people from success and essentially saying, like, you know, you can't be here because, you know, my, you know, values are different than yours or I believe this should be here and this should be here. I think, you know, it comes down to, you know, more people and more young people coming out and saying and being executives and and trying to push for that and leading and trying to take over because without us trying to be in those power positions, we can't change anything because yeah. they're going to continually push us away, right? And it's all about just having power. It's music. Like, it's a doggy dog industry, and you have to have leverage to make shit happen, you know? And if you don't have leverage, you, you get bodied. Yeah. And you get pushed yeah. away from everything. So yeah. it's all about leverage, and I'm sure you guys know for yourselves that, it, you know, if you don't have leverage, no one cares. Nobody actually cares. Yeah, yeah. Often in regional uh, music scenes, uh, certain sounds emerge uh, because everyone's kind of hanging out, making this, maybe you say there's only three engineers or three producers who people can call upon. That actually can create a sound for a city if there's sort of this, you know, not a lot of diversity on on some level. Uh, For anyone on the floor who's listened extensively to Ottawa hip-hop or rap music, is it possible to characterize it? Is it possible to say it has a particular tone lyrically, musically? Is there a sound to Ottawa hip hop that distinguishes itself? I'm just curious. Um, I don't think so yet, personally. I think um, we don't. Um, I don't think the confidence level is there yet. So a lot of the music I've heard is very much like. Is it derivative or? It's just kind of like imitating what's popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think in order to make it, you got to just do you. Like, that's what hip-hop always been. It's like you're able to be yourself, and that's how you're going to cut through the noise. Um, it's not about out-rapping or out-singing. It's literally about being yourself and being able to convey your message. And, uh, yeah. But are people, do people here, in terms of rapping, in terms of emceeing, <clears throat> do people... Talk about local issues a lot. Like, are there recurring themes that people are like the stuff we're talking about? Does that come up in the music, or is that also is it? I mean, again, I'm asking you to generalize about a whole yeah. group of people, but I'm just curious if people talk about local stuff here. Um, I haven't heard it uh, in, in the music. You, Not in the music. Like, I've heard it in like conversation, but yeah. never in the music. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. On some level, because I feel like. We've talked about a few rappers we like, and often they're representing their. And again, it's like Brooklyn or something. Like it's like a gla- it feels like a glamorous place. Ottawa doesn't feel glamorous on some level. 
but it's true to you. So I'm just curious if, if that's ever come up. Jonathan, have you noticed that? Like, do people... Um, you know, I've definitely had a lot of artists... I've actually went to his studio before, and I sat there for a couple hours, and, you know, a lot of artists came through, and they told me problems that they had and, and how they should face the problems. And I honestly didn't have an answer, you know, for what they wanted to to know about because I feel like Ottawa there's a lot of barriers to have to jump over as a as a new artist and it's tough and like there's no real blueprint, you know, to to get out and to become um a superstar. Like I can tell you here and sit here hundred times and tell you put the music here, do this and do that. Yeah. But will it work? M- maybe, you know, but you know, I can only just, you know, tell them, you know, my own opinion and they have to really put it into fruition and try to see if it, it, it'll help them and, and their career. And like you said before, too, uh, there's a lot of, like, uh, you know, copying or mimicking, you know, with the, with the music. Um, I think sticking to, you know, their own sound and to what they know and what they generally actually like, you know what I'm saying? Like, their own whatever, just whatever you want to make, just make that, yeah. right? And don't think that there's, you know, a blueprint because there is no blueprint right you know if there's a blueprint someone's lying there's no way <laughs> like um, I mean, but it's true of younger artists often um when you're first starting out you are kind of emulating someone 100 even if it's like everyone <laughs> even if it's everyone yeah. that you've processed sort of coming out of you yeah uh, it takes a while to find your own voice yeah so that's not a, i don't think that's probably an ottawa no no phenomenon. that's totally not i yeah. uh like Tory Lanez was, you know, they said he was Nicki Minaj, Lil Wayne, Drake, and Big Sean in one person. Yeah, right. Now he's Tory Lanez, right. not, anything, not anybody else. But, you know, I, it's just, I feel like kids need to feel like, you know, there's no, just do what you want to do and create what you want to do. And there's the internet. The internet is the most powerful thing ever. You know, you have to sit down and think of like, where do I want to be as a musician in five years, you know? You can look at other artists that you look up to and and like study their like their blueprint and study how how they got to where they want to be at. And if that's the kind of artist you want to be like, you might want to study what they did to get to where they're yeah. at. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So there's no right or wrong answer. It's just about really just trying to figure it out and you know having somebody help build with you. You know. We've alluded to the fact that there's a handful of uh, producers in this city. Uh, we talked about Night Lavelle a little bit. City, you're from here. Do we want to take a moment to highlight some key figures in Ottawa hip-hop? Uh, maybe ones to watch for people who... This is being recorded and live-streamed, so there's people listening or watching. Is there a live stream? <laughs> is Damn, it, that's different. Is I it didn't also even know that. Being, you have told us that beforehand. Shit! <laughs> I, I dressed up. <laughs> I dressed right, up for this. Are we live-streaming? Is it true? Yes. Are we on the internet? Wow. Shout out to whoever's watching yeah. this. I did not burn any bridges. I like that an hour in, I mentioned <laughs> yeah, that we're transmitting. I might be like, what? But uh, we are, anyway, there are people beyond this room uh, uh, hearing this and, li- and potentially watching this. Do you want to shout out some Ottawa figures that are worth <laughs> shouting out, either of you? Homie, I know you got some sauce in there. Um... Well, uh, my little brother just, and I'm not just plugging him in because my little brother. <laughs> you gotta no, he's actually one. really talented. I told you this is being live streamed. <laughs> now you're compromising <laughs> yourself. Seems like a conflict of interest. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, he's actually like super talented. And I think one of the things that are hurting him is what we've been talking about. Like, he really wants to stay here and try to make it from him. I keep telling him, like, 
make their move. But um, he's really talented. Um, this guy named uh, June from here is really talented. Sorry, what's your little brother's name? Jeff Sannon. Okay. That's what he goes by. And then um, an artist named June is really uh, great. Um, yeah. Well, okay. That's all I can think of right now. If you want to figure out who the hottest artists in the city are, you got to go to this guy's studio, and they all come through there anyways. And who is um, this guy? This guy right here is Tino Bambino, producer, engineer, superstar. He's humble. He correct. This he's guy's actually, one of the guys that he's mentioning that are, you know, engineering, producing for multiple people in the city. Um, I really like one person in particular. Uh, like, her name's Leah Cloud. She's yeah, super she's dope. dope. Yeah. Um, she's fire, man. Like, she's been doing her thing and really just putting her head down, just making music. Mm. Which is what I, you know, think is the right way to do it. Just make music for yourself, and you know, once, yeah. you know, end of the day, it comes down to algorithm, you know. And like sometimes you might get hot out of nothing, you know. Yeah. I feel like there's a an upside <laughs> and a downside to our metrics based economy. <laughs> like you were saying, I had 4.6 million views uh, or streams rather, and um, that's awesome. But I know that that's rare. And I very, think that very. because we see all these numbers in front of us all the time as creators, it can be totally demoralizing yeah. and it can make you want to give up. I don't remember growing up and seeing the song I put on the internet like in real time how it was doing. Yeah. I feel like that can be great, but I think it can also be uh, tough. I don't know why I went on that depressing segue <laughs> tangent, but uh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, Aaron, um, I, I think we should start to wrap up. And I just thought I would ask you if hearing what uh, these guys have said and what we've been discussing like we're at the like advice portion of the uh, of the panel um, do you have advice uh, for emerging Ottawa artists as a hip-hop journalist um, because I think this was helpful the last time we did this because uh, you sort of outlined uh, ways to get exposure um, maybe ways to things to consider when you're trying to make a name for yourself is there something you want to say? Uh, and at that point, we were in Toronto, where people had a lot more access. Here we are in Ottawa. Like, do you have advice for emerging uh, hip hop artists or promoters or whomever? You still have the same access because you have the internet. Amen. Yeah. Amen. We are the on the internet, internet right now. <laughs> Amen. It's amazing. Live streamed, apparently. Apparently. Um, my advice is to a travel. Tra like, you don't have to leave the city. You don't have to get an apartment. <laughs> city. But you do have to travel. You do have to go to the states and kind of feel out the different festivals and you know network yourself to a certain point um, where you can just be an email away or a call away from a lot of like the bigger people that you need to know. Um, and my other thing is that when it comes to media, there's only so many outlets right now that are really. How do I put this? There's so many people who want a premiere on a blog or a website, mm. and so many outlets are trying to pivot away from that. Mm -hmm. So what I would suggest, as opposed to you know consistently just open cold calling people or emailing people, um, is to actually look on media outlets and look at who's writing these stories. And start familiarizing yourself with the people who are writing the stories about artists who are like you. Um, and that way you can follow them on social media. You can understand how they speak, how they, you know, maybe how they kind of operate and how they take pitches or how they take their, their submissions or what have you. Um, and start building that relationship from there because once you have a relationship with a person in the media, they can kind of help you. And again, they'll see your name, they'll recognize it, they'll have a communication with you already. Um, and it can go from there. But those are probably the two 
biggest things is to familiarize yourself with the people who you want writing about you and to travel to festivals. A3C in Atlanta is a really great one. Um, I've done a few Canadian showcases there and you know those have been pretty well received. Um, and I know Nova Scotia has a team that always goes down as well. So it's like, just grab a team from your city and go down. Make, like, just get an Airbnb, split it. Mm. You know, flights are, I mean, they're, if you book in advance, they're okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just take a chance on yourself and put respect on your music, for sure. You've talked about, a few of you have talked about uh, blogs, and uh, earlier you were, uh, a couple of you were um, criticizing mainstream radio. What about the role of campus and community radio and hip hop? That to me has always seemed like very significant. And I don't know, does it, I know the, the way we process music is primarily on the internet, streaming. Does campus and community radio still matter uh, to, for hip hop? Mm. I don't have an answer for that. You don't know? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Did it? I don't think, I don't think people in, school listening to school radio like that like for music yeah. let's be real like well no but i mean campus and community radio isn't simply for students right it, it is meant to be it traditionally has been a place where artists have broken where uh yeah. like where artists who can't get access to the stuff we've been talking about uh, programmers and 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 uh staff at, at those stations take more chances mm -hmm. and will expose those artists by playing them I mean, there are language issues uh, in, in just the same as there are on yeah. mainstream radio, but uh, traditionally, that's fa it's just, I'm a little taken aback that you're like, no, uh, because I'd, for me, that's how I used to discover right. music yeah. before the internet right. was like, oh, like some intrepid listener uh, yeah. had a show and they wanted to show it off. They wanted to support the artist and, and show off uh, their musical taste on some level. And that was great because yeah. you would hear things that you would never hear before. So I, I, I just, I just feel like the masses of consumers of music don't really listen to like you know community radio mm -hmm. and like you know domestic radio stations. They just listen to like the commercial ones and like they go on the internet and discover new things or they, you know, go on Twitter or Instagram and they'll go all these platforms and get new you know new posts. Yeah. People digest music way differently than they did before. I think. There's very there's obviously going to be a fraction of people that listen to these stations and find an artist that they like, but it's more so you know the commercial stations that these people have the you know the rights to control and you have to be somebody to get beyond it you know right. so it's tough. There's less like Stretch and Bobito shows and less like Ron Nelsons of the world and more. I mean everybody's pivoting towards podcasts and playlists. So I mean that's how we're finding our music at this point. And if you're listening to a podcast, that's your equivalent of community radio and who you're going to discover and um, you know all that good stuff that probably you loved is now in podcast form. Do you guys work for Doug Ford? <laughs> <laughs> Hell no! This Hell is uh, no. hard for me to hear. I never Hell thought of that. No. I I work for a community campus and community radio station, so I'm a little biased. And it is still. Oh, sorry. We have a question from the audience. Well, I just want to Yeah, please. We have, um, I work at CHO, this community station, yeah. at the University of Ottawa, and we have uh, pretty solid hip-hop programming, and I think it's been really important for us. Mm -hmm. um, and one of our show hosts is here, Justin. <laughs> Do you mind, like, honestly... Ch chime in, man. I, I don't, I'm... I'm I'm uneducated, Can bro. Can someone I don't get know. Justin a mic? Do you mind hand, handing him the mic just so we have this? Justin, please tell me. 
Central, playing local, uh, like locally hip hop, and, and interacting with our local hip hop audience. So I think regionally, I think there's an impact, but. And I, I, I just want to echo that, that that's been my experience having been in the music industry for a long time, uh, that that's where I would... It's I just fascinating to hear younger people be like, no. That it's for, for me, it was more of like, I don't, I don't get uh, played on it enough to know how it translates into something else. You know, right. that's, so that's why I didn't have an answer. Well, it's just fascinating because they, and I, sorry, I, I will let you speak no, 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 okay. in a moment, but it, they, there is actually, for most campus and community stations, a mandate to reflect their community. Mm -hmm. So you're more likely to hear local hip-hop, local rock, local music that isn't going to be played on the big radio station in your town. You're more likely to hear that on a campus and community station is all I'm saying. Mm. Sorry, uh, please. Yeah, um, so I go by the name of Dynamic, uh, a.k.a. your favorite light skin. I do a radio show called Bring Your A Game. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, we play only Canadian content on the show. So right. um, the blog started 10 years ago. I'm originally from Ottawa. I moved to Toronto 10 years ago. <laughs> and, Here we uh, go. For music, just yeah. like City Fidelia did. Right. And for me, it was one of those things where the infrastructure wasn't here. So going to Toronto made sense. I did that and started the blog, Bring Your A-Game, to support Canadian music and kind of have... There was Hip Hop Canada, which you know is doing such a great job to this day. Um, but the web, there wasn't The website? Enough. The website, yeah. yeah. So I started bringyourAgame.com, which is still going on. All Canadian content on there. And from there, uh, it went to the radio stuff. So I was able to do like an online radio show with Hip Hop Canada for a bit. And then I went on to CIUT in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I've been on there for the last couple of years. I just moved back to Ottawa in August for, for my daughter. And I started bringing a game uh, on CHUO now out here. So I've been doing the radio stuff and supporting Canadian content for, for the last 10 years. I'm an artist myself, um, and so I felt there was a need to do that. And I think community radio is definitely still important because there's artists out there that don't have you know, any platform at all to get on, so we still need that. Yeah. Um, as far as you know, an artist like City Fidelity, he doesn't really necessarily need to tap into the community radio because yeah. he's doing so great yeah, with yeah, what yeah. he's doing. Sure. However, we still play his music. Like, we just played him last week on the show. True. Yeah. You know what I mean? I retweeted. I, I retweeted. Yeah, yeah, you retweet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, community radio is really important. There was a show in Toronto called Project Bounce, yeah. which was, was huge for the culture of hip-hop there. Here in Ottawa, we have uh, one or two shows that are like that. There's The Peaceful Journey, um, and there's also the new BRL show, which I started 10 years ago. Um, and before I moved to Toronto, mm -hmm. that show's still happening. So that's one of the biggest, you know, shows for campus radio um, out here. And uh, and you know, the culture's here, man. You know. I appreciate what you're saying. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Um, I do think we should uh, wrap up. Oh, sorry. There's another question. Are you taking a shot at me right now? Because I, <laughs> I got on a plane. I traveled for like eight hours for an hour-long flight. I agree. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, yes. 100%. Absolutely. I actually had that conversation with uh, like Shifton Magazine like a couple of days ago, and I, that's why I told them like we need to empower people like you because like you're the one that's gonna help 
like give us a voice. Like I know Hot New Hip Hop, that's what they did with Tory Lanez back in the day. Yeah. Like they had they had a big platform and they would always put Tory Lanez on there. And it's just about like yeah, like uh, someone outside of artists to build, like compete with Ebro in the morning, compete with Charlemagne, like that. When you get that platform, you put on whoever you guys want to put on. You know. We have another question uh, from the crowd there. So I'm the I'm Nick Johnson. I'm the executive director of the Ottawa Music Industry Coalition. We just had our first gathering of both the new and the old school hip hop communities in Ottawa. Two weeks ago, we're still working on notes, sorry. But out of that meeting, uh, both with us and the city, we're still trying to figure out how to, the city, not, not city. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a confusing name you have. <laughs> we're working on taking up with that suggestion of creating like an urban music association within the Oh Mike umbrella to help move forward the scene, because there's just so much popping here right now to be able to address all of the issues that these folks have been talking about and really make some, some massive headway in terms of raising the profile of the hip hop community and the R&B communities that are happening here. So that is coming down the pipeline. We're just trying to work out the logistics of how that would work and how that could be funded and supported in a real tangible way that we're not just making an announcement without there being some sort of concrete you know, definitive, like, next step, this is how we're going to support you for that community. So we can build that middle infrastructure, managers, engineers, producers, get them in touch with the IRS, and really build a community. That's great to hear. Beautiful. Amazing. Thank you. Um, uh, does anyone else have anything they want to say from their... Yes, Tina. I think if we want to build Ottawa, Ottawa needs to show up. You know, like, there's a panel like this... Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is gold, you know what I mean? Yep. They can learn and how to build themselves and, and others around them. But, like, how many free seats are there in here, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying not to highlight the fact that there are empty seats, because, like, but you're right. Show up, you know yeah. what I mean? Whether yeah. it's yep. more promotion or whether it's just people showing up, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it's a two-way street. So sometimes that also comes down to access and how much, you know, the cost of attending something like this would be or whether somebody can take their day off work. Um, what I would suggest is, and I've done this back in Toronto, is to kind of work with the organization and maybe get community passes and start giving them out to people who should be here who cannot afford it. So last year I did some programming for a festival and I couldn't, I, they didn't pay me, mind you, and I brought some really great talents um, they didn't pay me, <laughs> but what I did do was get $10,000 worth of passes and handed them out throughout the city so that those younger kids could actually come. So that's probably one way to kind of combat that. I like that a lot. That's, that's exactly what Omai did. We bought $3,000 worth of passes and we sold them for 20 bucks. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Amazing. Amen. Yes. Amen. <laughs> I mean, for what it's worth, I... I hope this live stream is being captured and retained on the internet. I, I know that my uh, this will be a podcast, if you'd like. Please circulate that. Uh, I didn't mean to plug myself there, but that would, be a way, <laughs> that would be a way to spread the word. We have another question in the back. Uh, just a comment. I just wanted to say that this is probably the first diverse hip-hop panel I've seen in Montreal or Ottawa. Really? Um, so props on that. Talking about booking agents and gatekeepers, and 
um, in hiring diverse programmers. Uh, that in Montreal is slowly uh, depleting very quickly. Yeah, no. That percentage. I don't know if it's the same here mm. because of like buyouts of independent bookers and independent uh, promoters. I appreciate the, the comment and the insight, and um, hopefully this was useful. It sounds, I'm gathering from the comments in the uh, audience that people uh, have things to say and have thought about things, so we appreciate that. Are there any other comments from the crowd at this point? Are we okay? I just wanted to add, there's a lot of um, amazing talent from Ottawa that those were kind of brought up. Mm -hmm. um, people like Belly, um, Eternia, Shad lived here at one point. Uh, Socrates is originally from Ottawa. Um, there's also this new artist goes by the name of Dax. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have, like a crazy following online. People like Mike Lavelle, City Pavelia. Yeah. There's a lot of amazing talent here in the city that's gone out, but they, they come from here. Nice. Good of to hear. Of course, yeah. Belly's big. Yeah, there should be. Yeah. Somebody wants to start that Just, list. Yeah, facts. Gotta take it in? Go, uh, Hit that retweet <laughs> button, you know what I'm saying? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to uh, go across the couch and give everyone here an opportunity to talk about upcoming projects. Uh, if you want to ask people to follow you uh, the way City has followed Aaron. Uh, <laughs> no, if you want to follow people on Twitter or Instagram or anything, like if you want to just plug yourself, I just want to give you guys all a, a shot to do yeah. that. So why don't we start at the end of the couch? <laughs> um, yeah, I think my socials, I guess, is Jonathan Shamar, J-O-N-A-T-H-O-N. It's very unique. Uh, not Just like you. <laughs> uh, and Shamar, well, yeah, it's, yes, it's right there. So there you go. Jonathan Shamar, everything across all platforms. Um, did you say share projects, you said? Yeah, if you've got upcoming stuff you want people to know about, like releases um, or anything. Yes, Night Lava has an album coming out. Yeah. February 22nd. Hey. Go stream that. Can go. you send me that stream in advance? Please. I would also <laughs> like it. <laughs> I would I like it. it that <laughs> way and it would be blessed. Um, <laughs> you know, I got a SoundCloud private link I could send you. Perfect. You know, I, I, I'll send you that little. Sweet. Okay. Beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, that's it. Just the album coming out soon and, you know, shot over forever. Shot over forever. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm City Fidelia across all the social platforms. Um, I'm currently, currently working on an album. Um, He's the man behind it. He's going to be engineering, mixing all my, my stuff. And uh, yeah, once it's out, I would love for all you guys to stream it. Um, I'm aiming big for this one. So, yeah. Run it up. Please. Run it. I got you. Run it up. Dynamic. I got it you. I got you. That's what I like to hear. I'm going to play it on the radio. Yes. I facts. Like that. That's what we want to hear. Where is, yeah, I'm playing it on the radio. Exactly. I, I'd like, if you'd like, we could, why don't we do a podcast? Another one. Like, why, why don't you come? We could talk again. You don't want to talk to me again, I could tell. No, I told myself that in 2019, I'm going to do more talking. So I'm always Sweet. down. Sweet. I'm awesome. Down. Thank you, City. I'm on all socials as E L L H A H, and that's uh, Ella, if anybody says it out loud. Twitter wouldn't let me not have it without extra H's. Um, <laughs> and then. If you have albums for artists or EPs or what have you, uh, my, my email is on Exclaim's website, but it's literally just Aaron at exclaim.ca. The sooner I can get advanced links of streams and what have you, the better chances you have of it being reviewed. Um, you know, I've fallen into this, this world where I get album streams from labels the day after it releases, which is 
yeah. not helpful in any capacity. But yeah, just the quicker I can get something is great. And then also, I think a lot of people confuse the fact that I don't actually post like videos or singles on Exclaim. I just deal with projects and interviews. Um, we have a news team, which is also on the site if you have anything to give <coughs> them. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, and again, I'm Vish. I'm at Vish Khanna on Twitter, at Vish Creative uh, with a K. My show is called Creative Control. It's a podcast. You're on it right now. How about that? I think <laughs> if it all goes well, we're all on it right now. And uh, I'm an assistant editor at Exclaim. And, uh, happy, and I'm Vish at Exclaim.ca if you want to reach me. Um, and that is our panel. I want to thank all of you for being here. Thanks to Megafono. Uh, for having us and giving us this space. Uh, and I'd like to thank, uh, I'll ask all of you to join me in thanking our panel. And uh, I wish you all well. Have a good megaphono. Beautiful. Talk to you thank soon. you. Bye bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.